There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Um, so I'm going to move on to my next book. I read a nice. book um, called Canary in the Coal Mines. Okay. Um, this was a murder mystery kind right. of okay. book. And um, basically there's a, there's a murder and this, this chap Fortunato is a, is a private detective and he has to try to um, to kind of find his way. He doesn't want to be involved in this. This is by Charles Salzberg, by the way. He doesn't want to be involved in this, um, but he gets hired to look into a missing person. The person turns out to be dead. And then the, the woman um, has got a lover and the, the, the husband's dead in the lover's apartment. But it's not the lover. And the lover then hires the detective to help him. And then the mafia are after them. And all this stuff happens. And it's really, it's really, really right. interesting. Uh, it's a really, really fun, um, really, really fun book. Oh, hold on there a second, hi, PJ. I think I hear the phone ringing. So bear with me just a moment. Let's see who's on the line. Okay. Hey, you're through the books, boys. You got Dean on the line. Who's calling? Charles Salzberg. Hey Charles, wow, what a coincidence we were just talking about your book, Canary in the Coal Mine. So I've got I've got a copy of it here and I absolutely loved it. So it's great that you've called in. Thank you so much. Uh, thank you. So I was I was reading this and this is this is exactly the kind of book I like because I'm a big, big fan of that detective style um stuff, crime books and everything. In my teens, I read a lot of crime stuff, you know, John Grisham, Jeffrey Daver. In my later uni years, I read a lot of Agatha Christie and I think I've got a shelf with 75 Agatha Christie novels on it. So I, I love my, my, my crime book. So I was very excited about this. And I initially thought, OK, let's check it out. Um, you know, this is um, something I'm not used to, but this is not your first book. You've read a lot of books. So do you want to tell us how you got into it in the first place? Sure. But first, let me give you a, a, a little um, sort of bit of trivia. I actually interviewed Jeffrey Deaver. Wow. Fever, here's the, the, the little tidbit. Before he even starts to write a book, he has to write an outline, mm. detailed outline that can be as much as 120 pages or more. Um, wow. So the outline is, is almost a, a novella in itself. <laughs> right. If I had to do that, and I don't, I, I don't know what <laughs> I'm writing. I, I wouldn't write the book because if, I would be bored with it by then. Yeah. Um, anyway, I, I'll, I'll make this rather quick. I was an English major, um, at, which prepares you for act- absolutely nothing in the world. <laughs> and I wanted to, um, I, like a lot of English majors, I wanted to write the um, great American novel. And then I got out of school and realized no one was going to actually pay me to do that. Mm-hmm. So um, I stumbled into someone said, oh, you're an English major. You like to read. <clears throat> Maybe you should become a magazine editor. So I got a job in the mailroom at New York Magazine. And um, I learned very quickly, I did not want to be a, um, an editor because they all looked bored and they were there all the time. And yeah. they didn't, uh, but the writers, they would roll in around 10, 1030. They drink coffee. They talk on the phone. They, you know, talk with the editors. They leave at noon around 2, 2.30. You could smell alcohol from the <laughs> They were coming back from lunch. 
And then they did the same thing in the afternoon and they left at four. And I thought that's the job I want. That's so, the one you want. Yeah. That's the one I want, the writer for magazines. And so I, I you know, I'm going to make this really short. I did, you know, sell an article uh, and became a magazine writer, journalist, having no training for it. And then that, that led to writing book reviews for the New York Times. And then someone asked me to ghostwrite a book with them. And then I did some nonfiction books, but I always wanted to write novels. And so I wrote this novel called Swan's Last Song. And I wrote it now, it's about 30 years ago. And at the time, they, it was a detective novel, but it was what a friend of mine called an existential detective novel, mm-hmm. because in the book, the detective does not solve the crime. The crime turns out to have nothing to do with everything, every clue he's followed throughout the whole book. And so editors and agents said, we, you know, this, the writing is really good, but we can't publish this because fans of detective novels, they want, they want, you know, closure. They want, they the, want the, tip, the typical. Yeah. Yeah. And so I got, I was really stubborn. I was probably in my, you know, early thirties, maybe. And I said, well, you know, screw you. I'm going <laughs> to put it away. And then 25 years later, I started thinking about it and I went back to it and I thought, this is pretty good. If I update it, maybe publishing has changed and I can get it yeah. published. So I did. And by that time I had books published and I went to an editor um, and he read it and he said, I love this book, but not with this ending. So I said, okay, how about if I change the ending? And he said, yes, let me see it. So in 25 years, I learned how to sell out. (laughs) And that was the first book. And as I was telling you before, it was nominated for a big award called the Seamus Award, which is um, given out by the private investment private detective something and I lost and said I'm going to keep writing these till I um, win something and what happened along the way is I fell in love with writing crime novels because everyone likes crime and I I don't do murder mysteries really but although this one is it's the first one where you have to where the detective has to find the the murderer Uh, There are very few dead bodies in in my books, except this one. So this one was a little different and it was a challenge to me. So that's how I got into writing and writing crime novels. So this might have been a good one for me to start on. As someone who comes from a Agatha Christie kind of background with a lot of Mm -hmm. dead bodies, this maybe was the best one to start with then. Yeah. Um, But even, even so people, I have a friend who once said to me, you know, you with all your endings of all your books are ambiguous you're not quite sure of what, what happened. And I said, yeah, that's purposeful because life is like that. Um, I have one book called Swan Dives In, which is the same character from the mm-hmm. first book, where you don't know what the crime is until halfway through the book. And by the end of the book, you're not even sure there was a crime. And so those are the kind of books that I kind of like to read. But um, this one does have a, a, a real conclusion, but still yeah, it's a little it bit ambiguous. Cool. And PJ, you've joined us. Um, I've joined you guys, yes. Um, Hi. I, um, nice to I'm meet in you, worst place. I'm in the worst place to be interviewing someone. Sorry, I'm in a kid's summer camp. Sorry, I <laughs> muted myself. Um, but yeah, I was listening in, in, listening in a bit to what you were saying. Uh, nice meeting you, Charles. Nice meeting uh, you. Yes, glad you could join us. And um, you're in Italy? I'm in Italy right now, yes. Um, so um, it's very hot. Have you ever been? 
I've never been to Italy, no. Okay, okay. Well, it's a lovely place. I'm getting... Um... It's a nice day in New York City, too, where I am. Oh, lovely, okay. Lovely. Well, I for like the, the record, it's an unusually nice day here in Ireland, so... Is it? <laughs> what? That can't be, so the triangle has been fulfilled. <laughs> But I like I like the idea of an um, I was listening in a bit of an ambiguous ending as you were saying that it's real life. Uh-huh. You're right. I like that kind of stuff too, yes. So I mean I would I would enjoy that as well. And um if someone gets I, I think people are t- are turned off because they want life to be so logical. They want they want to make sense out of life, but you you just that's can't a, make sense. Exactly. Really that's what detective fiction is, is the world, you've got the world and it's in order and then suddenly happens and it's thrown into chaos, usually a murder, right? And it's the detective's job to put everything together, to put the world back together and make everything good again. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the problem is the world doesn't really work like that. Um, so, yeah. Uh, but that's why people like it, is, is it, it solves a problem and leaves the world in a good place. What I like about it is that our detective, Fortunato, he doesn't... He doesn't want to fix anything, really. You know, no. he just wants to get himself out of the situation. He's kind of like, oh, my God, I've been put into this situation. I'm going to do the minimum amount to get myself out of it. You know, he doesn't care about what's what's going on with the dead husband and the lover and all of that and the mafia. He's just like, what's the least amount of work I can put in to divorce myself from this? Right. It, it's all about him. And, and he he's, uh, he he's not a happy guy. First of all, he suffers from... Um, anger management problem yeah he's got a real temper and uh the other thing is he, he suffers from insomnia which doesn't help the anger part so no. you know i think that you're absolutely right dean is that that's that's the character i wanted to to create and, and I it's, more of a, it's more of a realistic character isn't it i mean the detectives i i think most of the time there will be want to go home and watch the next Seinfeld episodes. Right. They don't always be there. <laughs> <laughs> I, I see a lot of, and you see it in TV shows as well, you know, these kind of cop TV shows, and they're like staying after hours and they really care about the case. And I think, no, this is more realistic. This guy's just like, get me out of this. You know, what, how do I tick a box and say I've done the job? You know, that's more realistic for me. Right. It's a living to him. It's, you know, yeah. not a good living. Yeah. So, so, yeah. And yeah, that's a good, it's not a good living. He doesn't, you know, he's not rolling in money here. He's not charging astronomical oh, fees. Right. He's well, struggling he, for work. Right. He, he doesn't even have an office. He has a desk in a friend's uh, real estate company. Yeah. Uh, then so, he might not yeah. be able to keep all year round if the, if the firm gets that's busy. Right. That's <laughs> right. If it gets busy, he's out on the street. Well, Putting in the hard graft. I want to ask you about the, so... I want to ask you about the other character, Travis, a little bit. Um, because... I couldn't figure him out. I couldn't figure out... At times, you think he knows a little bit more, but he's not telling Fortunato. But then I couldn't figure out, well, is he being sneaky or devious, or is he just not that bright? And he doesn't realize what it's important to tell and and isn't connecting the dots. You know, he's not a detective. He wants to um, go down more artistic routes, you know? So maybe he's just not that bright you know what's your take on that is it meant to be ambiguous or is it yeah i mean i I, don't you think most people are ambiguous and and you've actually paid me a compliment because (laughs) i don't i don't want i try to write characters that are real and complicated and the the thing that that um the 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 best way for me i think it to look at someone like travis is and i I don't want to defame an entire um 
industry, but most actors, and that's what he is, you know, a, a wannabe actor, yeah. have narcissism problems. Let's a little bit, it. maybe. <laughs> yeah. As, a, as my friend Charlie Shulman, who's a playwright, once said to me, he said, don't ever date a woman with a headshot. And so, you know, it's so, so they, they are complicated. So I think you've hit all the things. He's not that bright, but he's also, um, you know, he can be cunning. Yeah. You know, he's not, he's not a, a, a fool, but if you took his IQ test, he wouldn't, you know, he'd be average. Mm. Um, but there are a lot of average people running around. Yeah, I guess that's true. And my my favorite. So we we don't we don't really meet the husband, obviously Donald. He's uh, he's worse for wear when we first see him. Let's say, but but the wife Lisa, I love her because she's got that sort of she's got a bit of a don't mess with me attitude, but also that entitled rich girl attitude at the same time. And you always know that she's devious. You know, with with Travis, I was thinking, well, is he devious or is he just not that smart? With her, I'm thinking she's very smart and very devious, and she knows what she's doing. Right, and and she will get away with whatever she can. Yeah, and and the two things about about her that that should tip readers off is she hires him to find her husband dead or alive. So right away she's admitting that he might be dead, and, and she doesn't reason, seem very bothered by it either. <laughs> no, not at all. She just doesn't want to be blamed for it if if, if he is. And the other thing about, and I'm not really giving anything away because it's not a big plot thing, is she pays him because he, he does find her husband. I won't say how, but she pays him with a bad check. So yeah. the check bounces. So there's that sense of entitlement, which you mentioned, Dean, that, and that's the tip off is that sense of, you know, I can, I can do anything I want. I don't have to pay you, um, you know. Uh, so, yeah. so, so she is. She's much more... Um, you 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 know who she is, and I'm sure that people know people like that. Whereas some of the other characters are much more uh, more difficult to pin down who they are and what they want. Yeah, you know who she is, but she's also not an out and out villain. You know, no. Where the the only real villain, I suppose, is the the, the Albanian mob. You know, they're the only yeah. ones that are true bad guys. Um, and boy, are they bad. Hmm. Boy, were they bad. Oh, they're yeah, really they're bad. very they're very bad. Um, they're very, you know, terrifying everyone. But at the same time, they're also not main characters. So the main, the main right. three characters are really right. just trying to sort their own lives out. And they just they're, they're there to, be... to <laughs> Right, they're there to propel the plot forward. Yeah. Much. They're there to propel the plot. And, the, you know, the main guys are really... Is it fair to say that all three of them are just selfishly motivated? Like, they're just trying to sort their own life and... Yeah get untangled from this web. <laughs> no, no, none of them will, you know, will, there'll be no statues like for Martin Luther King. Or no. <laughs> they're, they're not out for, uh, to help humanity, that's for sure. But yeah. I think, you know, I, I hate to be cynical, although I am. Most people are more, more like that. Mm. You know, it's what, what's in it for me. I think so. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, survival, right? Yeah, totally. And let's ask you the next the next thing that everybody always I, I like to ask every author. But what's what's next? Like, have you started into the next book, or is it time? Yes, for a break? Well, I've actually I finished one that uh, I had a novel. It's actually my favorite one. It's called Second Story Man, and it's about a um, uh, uh, a master burglar who is actually a combination of two real life burglars. One was called the Dinner Time Bandit, 
because he only hit houses during dinner time. Because A, <laughs> he knew that the valuables would be there, and B, he knew everyone would be down having dinner, and he would, you know, he was a second story man. He would climb up and steal ah, it. Coming from and the, top. the other guy is called the silver thief. He only stole really high end silver. So um, I created this character who is really about, um, to me, the book is about America's uh, obsession with winning and being the best mm-hmm. and what can happen when you're like that. Mm-hmm. And anyway, so he, Francis Hoyt is his name, and he, two people, um, get together to bring him to justice. One is a former Connecticut State investor, uh, investigator, and the other is a Cuban-American uh, Miami detective, a cop. But anyway, the reason I mentioned that is that book ended and I started to think after I wrote Canary, what happens to, um, to, um, to Hoyt, the burglar, after Second Story Man ends? Mm. And so I thought, oh, that's worth a book just because I want to see yeah. what he's like. He's not a likable character at all. Right. And so the book that's coming out in April is called um, Man on the Run. And it's the, I don't like to call it a sequel. It's kind of a continuation of Second Story Man. And the one I'm working on now is a a character who has uh, a touch of ESP. Okay. Uh, And a little bit of social commentary by the sides of things as well, which is good. Um, That's interesting. So that's good. like a bit of that, don't we, PJ? (laughs) (laughs) So the final question that we ask on every interview um, is if there was any book, any existing book that you wish you had been the person to write, what would it have been? Easy, Lolita. Oh, right. Now, PJ, you've read Lolita, Ooh. haven't you? No, I haven't read that oh, haven't? actually. But no, no, no. Highly recommend. Um, I've no. like the whole time. It's, it's why, why would you recommend one? Because okay. the writing is so incredible and the wit. And the whole idea of it, uh, you, you'll, you'll see when, when you read it, and I highly recommend it. And this was written by a guy whose native language was Russian. Probably his second language was um, French. Okay. And English yes. was probably his third language. Third, and yeah. his use of language, puns and allusions is so incredible. You can read that book 10 times and get something new out of it. So if I could have written, and there are other books that I would have liked to have written by favorite authors, but that's the one that's the, the most intricate and hmm. at the same time, the most accessible. Okay. Uh, I've not read it, but many I, I people believe, have recommended it over the years, you know. And I believe Nabokov translated it's, it's, it's his own book back into Russian because wow. he thought he could only get the essence of it uh, right. in, in his native tongue. That's what I read, at least. So. Fascinating guy. He it's, in my, it's in my never-ending queue of books that I need to get to one day. <laughs> right, he he yeah. wrote a book because he taught at, uh, at Cornell, and he wrote a book called Penin, P-N-I-N, which is about a college professor that's very much like, um, like Nabokov was. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got about a oh, minute wow. or so left here, so why don't you give us a plug? Where's your website or Amazon or where can people go to get the book? Oh, okay, you can get all my books at, on Amazon.com or BarnesandNoble.com and my my website, which I did not do, but a friend did, CharlesSalzberg.com is really fun because you go there and uh, Swan, one of my characters, has a desk and it's interactive. And we oh, also nice. did three or four videos, oh, wow. short videos 
of Henry Swan uh, from the books. And my friend Ross Clavin did the Henry Swan voice. So it doesn't cost anything. Well, I don't have to buy a book, but I suggest you go to the site. Play around on the site. See, you're just showing off now. Our website looks like it came out of the 90s. We are... Uh, <laughs> Again, I had nothing to do with it. I have a really quick <laughs> website story to tell you. Can I do it really quick? Sure. Okay. So I was invited down to Australia, never been there before, for the International Crime and Justice um, Festival. And I was the guest of honor. And I went on a, uh, a radio show down there. And I'm coming back from the show on the, on the trolley, the tram, and I'm with the, um, the guy who sponsored me. And I look at my email, and there's an email for me from someone I don't know. And I open it up, and it's from a woman. She says, hi, I just uh, heard you on, um, on the show, on the radio show, and I thought you were great. And then I went to your website. This was a different website. And I think it's ugly. It's really oh, ugly. No. And I showed the email to Simon and he started to laugh and he said, that's Australians. Yeah. You know, they're really nice, but they're really direct and they will tell you what they think. (laughs) So just to fit, you know, I I went to her website, Dean, and and boy, that was really ugly. (laughs) No wonder she didn't (laughs) like it. Ugly in a different way, right? Just, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I take no credit for my website, but it's really fun to go to because she did a great job. Mm. Well, that's awesome. Um, thank you so much for calling into the show. We had a, we had a great time uh, chatting to you. And I absolutely love the book. So I'm going to keep an thank eye you. out and try and maybe get one or two more when I have the chance. Um, take care. Thanks a lot. Okay, awesome. Thank you. Take care. Take Bye-bye. Care. Bye. Well, there we go. Charles Salzberg uh, calling in unexpectedly. Seems to happen to us a lot. Guys, go get his books. Check out his website. Nice. So... I'm going to mention yeah, real quick some of the stuff that you can get on our on our Patreon here because it is relevant. I read it this month. I read four plays by <laughs> Federico Garcia Lorca. Two of them, you can hear the full reviews on Playboys Extra. And that's La Casa de Bernarda <laughs> Alba and The Blood Wedding and Boras de Sangre. So if you want my thoughts on those, go check those out. But we, I also read Yerma about nice. a girl who's a baron. But her and her husband keeps telling her it's okay, it's okay. Like he's not that worried about having kids, but she can't. You know, the societal pressures won't let her uh, accept that. You know. And also, Doña Rosita, the spinster, her she falls in love with. I think it's her cousin, but basically, he goes away and says, "Don't worry, I'll come back for you in a few years once I've earned some money." And then, you know, the letters stop coming, and then all of a sudden, he sends a letter and says, "Oh yeah, I married someone else like years ago." So, and that's sad. These are all Federico. Federico Garcia Lorca plays. Uh, I, yeah. I also like because I also read them, and they're very they're classic Spanish plays. And um, yeah, it was reflections on the uh, civil war in Spain. So give it a try. Yeah. It's a sad little society, though. Like it's very you know because one thing I never is, understand yes. is he's writing around the same time as Agatha Christie in you know he's writing about Poirot, but this is a very different world. Like it's a lot more mm. rural. It's a lot more I don't want to say backwards, but it seems less developed um, mm-hmm. than say Poirot's world. You know, and it's the same time period. You know, um, but it's a lot more. Rustic it's a very conservative and... time in uh, Spain. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. Totally. But they're very good. I love the poems and I love the place. So Lorca, top notch. And I have a bookmark that says May Buelves Lorca. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> nice. So, and also, I just did a Playboy's Extra on Ramon del Valle Inclan, Luces de Bohemia. So, Lights of Bohemia. Also a good, also a good play that I enjoyed, yeah. 
Yeah, a Galician, and, uh, a Galician author, which was nice for me to to experience because I have an affinity for Galicia. And you, yeah, you, you like you. Oh, go ahead. Sorry, go ahead. He's one of the main modernist writers from Galicia. I'm saying that Ramon Vainclan is one of the main modernist authors from Galicia at the time. Uh, yeah. After I was a huge beer, it's Ala Tolstoy, and it's a great book about Max Treya, a blind person, a blind Joycean, poet. Like, yeah, I love it. It's a little bit picaresque as well, you know. It's this blind poet going oh, around the town, getting involved in different misadventures. Uh, it's a, it's a fun one. It's a fun one. Uh, yeah, if, if, if you like Ulysses, guys, if you like Ulysses, the night scenes, especially the play setting scene, you will love this. Mm-hmm. Uh, you will get that if you like Ulysses. So, um, and yet at the same time, a lot more readable. So, yeah. it's a great play. Also, um, and they actually, they like Bloomsday. They actually celebrate. They actually celebrate Ulysses de Bohemia once a year in Spain. Where people Do go they? out and act like Max Estrella as like Bohemians. I did not know that. Wow. This is actually an event. Yeah. Do you know when? So Spain has got its, Spain has got its own Bloomsday, but uh, what's that? Do you know the date or the, the month even? When is it? Yeah. Oh, I've caught you off guard. You weren't, you weren't prepared for that. <laughs> Well, yes, I'm afraid not. I can't remember. I think the date as well. It was a bit even more confusing. But it's a equivalent of Bloomsday, literally, when I heard about it, because they, they, that's all they do. They just walk around nights, and I think they smoke cigars okay. and wow. act like the Max Estrellas and the people he meets. Mm. Um, yeah. So, yeah, great play. Really inspired by Uzi's. So I recommend that to you, Dean, as well. Um, really. Yeah, I know. Nice I know. Okay, okay. We've been there. You keep putting that off that book. I don't, I don't know why. I love, I love that book. So the next, um, the next book I read, well, I, I sorry, I, there's history has been made because for the first time since we started this show, I did not finish a book. And this is Mario Vargas Llosa, La Guerra del Fin. And something more unusual happened today, which was very. I was also late today for the first time. Yeah, this, this is. <laughs> I, I usually am the one late, so I don't know what's happening to the universe. Angel is intervening. Yeah, this, this book. So the, the La Guerra del Fin del Mundo, right? So the, the war of the end of the world, I guess. Um, I mean, this is, it's not that long. Like it's 450 pages, although again, very, very small text and very little dialogue with it being a Latin American book. It, it's a very slow pace. And, you know, reading in Spanish, I can do, but the book has to be interesting. So when you take a book in a foreign language, you couple it with very little dialogue and just lots of endless description and slow pacing and then you make it about war, my least favorite thing to read about or to watch about. I just couldn't do it, man. Like I got, I made it more than halfway, about three fifths. I, I just I, couldn't. I feel, I, I feel like history is repeating itself. You, 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 you're loving a Wookiee Collins novel, and you're criticizing a Latin American novel once again. <laughs> and I love, and I am the one who loves Latin American literature. I even prefer it to um, mainland Spanish literature. I have to be honest. So it's interesting that we have sometimes these different views, and you, you readers, just like just, just just like I think comic is a literary art. You you know you have your other opinions. It's good, I think, that we have this still clashes. Yeah, you think comics so anyway, are literary art, and I know that they're not. So, <laughs> <laughs> and let's mention it: uh, the uh, the world um, of the the war of the end of world is written by Mario Vargas Llosa the Peruvian uh, writer who won the Nobel Prize in, I think, 2010. 
and almost became, I don't know if you know this, but he almost became, I believe, either prime minister or president of Peru. Did you know that? Well, why not? I didn't know. Wow. Okay. He, he, but he got um, Fujimori, um, uh, Alberto Fujimori became the uh, president instead. It was very kind of sad because Mario Vargas Llosa was the progressive one. Fujimori of Japanese ascent was uh, actually really the really conservative one and started kind of uh, right. to call it the yellow party and it was and it was not a good time for Peru and this is interesting I just want you to know this because when you read Mario Vargas Llosa he comments about that time as an author but nevertheless he almost actually managed to become the president of the whole right. country so that's a pretty big feat you know okay. So I love and I love his first novel. So tell me about this one now. So no, I don't know anything about it, man. It was so boring. I, it was taking me like <laughs> half an hour to read one page, and then at the end of the page, I wouldn't even remember what had happened. Like I was so bored. I just could. I mean, it's about Brazil essentially. It's set in Brazil. And they talk about it's 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 the army, and Brazil is going to become a republic. And the only bit I remember is one of the guys issues a proclamation that they have to be civilized and none of the army are allowed to violate the women and this kind of stuff. Then it just goes on and on with nothing happening. And my God, I couldn't do it. Like, I, I have no idea what this book's about. It was I, it was the worst thing I've read in months, man. What? You're criticizing my, my dear friend. Again, <laughs> I'm a big fan of Yossa. Uh, however, I will say this to you, Dean. I had tried to read... Uh, I, have tried, I had tried to read... Um, you know, my grammar mixed up now. I tried to read uh, one modern Yossa book a few years ago and I couldn't do it. So I'm wondering if his style did change. Um, I, I do love his first novel, La Ciudad de los Perros. Yeah, the famous. Uh, it's in the yeah. first, it's in first uh, books was episode, uh, people, if you yeah. want to listen back. But it is, to be honest, very little dialogue, extremely experimental. You do need to be attentive, I would say, is the word for his his book. Just to even know who's talking uh, is the way he writes. You don't not even clear who's talking. Yeah. Uh, but I highly enjoyed it, nevertheless. And Latin American literature does use little dialogues, unless unless you're Luis Sepulveda. Maybe there are a few exceptions, but most of them love to be honest. Once we got to the halfway mark, it started to use a bit more dialogue, but it was too late. Like I, you know, it was just. I mean, to be fair, I also don't like war books. Like when I read War of the Worlds, even I got bored. I don't, and it's not, where's the romance? You know, it's not what Wilkie Collins is talking about, you know? So it's just not, just not for me. So it gets a new out of five. Oh, no. Well, what? Okay. Well, anyway, so I I love Yosef, but I can't. I can't. I can't say for yeah. this book. Um, so this I'm is. Sorry, this... I'm sorry that once again you've been disappointed <laughs> by Latin American literature. I I'm Latin done with it. Literature. I am done with it. But <laughs> and and you still haven't read. But you still haven't read the quintessential novel, which is a hundred years of solitude. Which Yossa himself, Yossa was so impressed by the that he wrote a whole book. No, no, you have to get it. Yossa wrote a whole book. Just about the whole years of salt. He actually wrote a whole nonfiction. Because we really need that, right? We huge. really need that. <laughs> he also wrote a complete, a, a big nonfiction book just about Madame Bovary, the novel by Flaubert. He was a huge fan of that. He thinks yeah. that's the first with no with no dialogue, novel. right? Novel. <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, well, I, I, well okay. I'm, I'm going to so, stop I, you there because I find myself shocked. We have two coincidences which I'm going to mention. Just because you mentioned Madame Bovary, okay? So that's the first coincidence. The next book I read okay. was a Flaubert book, Gustave Flaubert. Oh, there you go. Salambo. And here's the second coincidence, the, the, right? I'm thinking this is <laughs> I'm thinking this is going to be like Madame Bovary. It's not. Yeah. It's more like Guerra del Fin del Mundo. This is another war book. Oh, no. I was so sad. Oh, no, I'm very I sorry. I can't believe no. it. And again, I read it in Spanish. And okay, there's more dialogue, so it was easier. It was also a shorter book. And I finished it. But it was also boring. Um, more stuff about war. It's set in Carthage, though. So the ancient history ties interested me, you know, during the first oh, okay. Yeah. So that was good. Yeah, that's what is- That's what... That's what you study, so you philosophy yeah, and ancient but, history. Just so your listeners say. So yeah, yeah, so I studied mostly Greek and, and a bit of Roman, but this is not what I expected from Flaubert, you know, and this was sent over in the yeah. care package from Valerie the Pigeon Detective. It's been on my shelf for over a year, and I finally read it. And this is... Like, here's what happens. Salambo is this girl. She's the daughter of, like, a kind of a, a leader in the community. And there's this guy, Matho and Spenio, hmm. and they're both... Essentially, they were slaves, but they're now commanding army legions somehow. But basically, Matho loves her to the point of distraction. It's a lot of, I want you, I need you, I'll die without you, really obsessive stuff. And they go in and they steal the zimph, which is mm. this, um, it's like a tunic or a fleece. It's, it's, it's almost like Jason the Argonauts here, they're stealing the golden fleece kind of things. They steal this, this kind of fleece or this mm-hmm, cloak mm-hmm. or something. Yeah. And it's the, um, it's important to the people, right? So then Salambo was asked to go and get it mm. back. Um, and I'm giving the, the first half really, really bored me with the war. There's a lot of battle scenes, you know, but then it picked up in the second half and I started That's right. to enjoy and his, it more. His name is Cilandro. So the, the, the girl's name is Salambo. Um, and the guys are okay, Spendio and Cilantro as no. yeah. But um, essentially, this, this, there's also I thought you said bit. Cilantro as in um, Korean. Oh, right, right. No, no. There's some there's some sad bits where, you know, for example, they they eventually get this girl in, in the tent and the, the high priest says to her, you got to get the fleece back. So give up your body if you need to, but off you go and pretend you like it. And then she goes in and she has to seduce the guy who actually is in love with her. And that's very easy to do, obviously. And then it's kind of sad, like what that leads to for her. And then when her community get her back, they say, well, thanks for the fleece, but you've shamed us, basically. So we're ashamed of you. Um, And then her dad says, oh, but you did get the fleece back. So we'll tell you what I'll do. I'll give you to this other man. And now you've got to go with him and be his wife. So she kind of gets used by multiple men. And that's kind of sad. And I don't like to see that, you know. Um, But Mm -hmm. this book, apparently Flaubert wrote this because the reaction to Madame Bovary was so critical. Like, so this is, you know, it's an immoral book. That he thought, well, what's safe? I'll go with the ancients. I don't, I don't think this is very safe. <laughs> right, okay, interesting. Look, it was vaguely interesting, but I mean, like, I'm not going to recommend it. If you're going to read Flaubert, you're going to read something better, right? You're going to read Madame Bovary or Sentimental Education or something, you know? I mean, it's not famous. Uh, Madame Bovary is the famous one, yeah. And yeah, you loved this, that one, didn't is, you? I did, I yeah. That. This is not, this is not. And Sentimental Education I loved, but this is not. Uh, and you know anything yes but it's fine it was it was fine it was okay, right, okay. you know it's okay um but that's what? that's me done with all my books have you got any more pj well i want to mention yes uh one book i read this this one is um the, a very readable book 
And I just sadly, disappointedly, uh, this is not on purpose, although I know I do this often, but it's a book that hasn't been translated into English. So I keep recommending <laughs> books that haven't been translated into English. So but I generally thought it was because it's a Japanese book that I bought in Spanish exactly, almost exactly a year ago. It's uh, by an ophthalmologist, um, so someone who cures eyes, someone who has eyesight, optician, uh, called Rui Hiramatsu. And it's called Mejora Tu Vista in Tres Minutos. Um, improve your eyesight in three minutes. Gimnasia Visual para tener una vista de águila. Visual. So, I recommend the book Improve Your Eyesight in Three Minutes by Rui Hiramatu. Given an exercise every day for that takes about three minutes, although you could extend it um, up to maybe 15 or 20 minutes, and you improve your eyesight in four weeks with simple exercises. The most common one being patches, basically, that you look at and you have to decipher. So there are, there are perhaps 10 to 100 different patches on a page, and only of them will be identical, and you have to look for them. It's blurry. And uh, the point is that you're improving your eyesight because it's blurry and because you have to recognize the fine features. Um, also, different eyesight activities include, for example, reading a page, reading the printing backwards from behind through the page. So it's all doing exercises where you're retesting your eyesight because it's difficult to read. And um, so I'm going to mention this again next month. Go see how it goes from there. Okay, so, well, there we go. Those short and sweet. Um, that's all the books that we've we've read this month. And again, to anyone listening, I'm going to do my best with several hours worth of editing to turn this into a, a coherent show. But we are having technical difficulties this month with traveling around and things. So we've done our best, but hopefully it's not too noticeable on the final um, recording. But we'll be back to normal next month anyway. Um, we're going to finish with mm. our recommendations and then we're going to play a song. Uh, PJ, we're going to use your latest song, The Swan. Yeah. Um, so I very, I very much like that with yourself and your oh, your guitarra. This one. Um, so we'll we'll play that. But first, our recommendations. Uh, would you like to go first, nice. or shall I? Uh, you go first. Okay. So my recommendation is not one book specifically, but it's actually Agatha Christie, and it's the Tommy and Tuppence because nobody mm. remembers these people. Everybody remembers mm. Poirot and Miss Marple, and if you're really into no. it, you might know Mrs. Oliver. But no, these are Tommy and Tuppence. They only appear in five books over a 50-year period. So there's like two in the 20s, one in the 40s, one in the 60s, one in the 70s. Um, right. And this is just a couple. And okay. they're detectives together. But they had some history helping out with some stuff in the war. Um, but they they just they, they, the way they behave together is so fun and nice, but also funny. And they've just got this great relationship with each other. And it's, it's very enjoyable to read. Um, I read Partners in Crime and I read N or M mm. and one of the others is called By the Pricking of My Thumbs. There's five all together and they're, they're, they're just very fun. So if you like your Agatha Christie's, you like your crime stuff, but maybe you haven't heard of these, these guys, I recommend um, checking them out. Uh, what I recommend is, I, 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 there, there are so many books I recommend, but I really recommend if you want to get into philosophy uh, in an accessible and very enjoyable way. Complete works of Plato, right? Those Oh, indeed, yes. I do agree. <laughs> I like Dean did one summer. He did it for a whole summer. Read the uh, complete works of Plato. Or just enjoy yourself with Dos Speg Tharatustra. Tharatustra from Friedrich Nietzsche. By far my favorite philosophy book. Um, and in fact, what is so enjoyable about the book is it is 
oh, a novel. And though most people might not classify that, but I, I would say it's a novel. And, Hold on, uh, PJ. I don't know if you've implied, kind of you've implied that I wasn't having fun with, with Plato, but you've also tied back because... Zarathustra, I did not imply that. <laughs> Zarathustra appears, of course, in Luthes de Bohemia, so it's a very good uh, tie-in. Professional. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot about that. <laughs> very good. Well, nothing new on Plato, but I just find Zarathustra going into his cave to reflect and the pressure entering, and he talks about uh, priests being black spiders and there are dances happening and they live like the gods. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff happening. It reads like a magic realist novel, although it's clearly also a philosophy book because each chapter is a distinguishable, critical lesson about society, extremely critical. But if, uh, it, it, Nietzsche philosophy is called nihilism and also vitalism sometimes, meaning that loving life. So again, you've got sometimes nothing, there is no God, and sometimes, yeah, we're running new gods, new values, and live life. So it's this optimism, pessimism mixture the whole time. I think it's a profoundly good book, and I did meditate on it when I read it back in Berlin years ago, uh, going to forest and just reading it slowly and thinking about Nietzsche and what he has to say. Okay, I've never read um, Nietzsche, to be honest, so that's something on the... I think you'd enjoy it, yeah. Very readable because philosophy is great, but it's often it's often just very dry, isn't it? To read, and yeah. this is a very he's just he is a poet as well. Are you sure, it's dry. You, so. you don't want to just sit down with like a copy of David Hume and read about necessary connections, and uh, you know, for I think pages. that's what everyone should do. In I think that's what everyone wants to do in their honeymoon, Dean. Except yeah. if they're not, they don't want to make love. They just want to read David Hume. And, you, know, you know, this is what I write years have, ago. Uh, I used to insipid couple. David Hume famously said, "Throw the trash books into the fire." <laughs> Dude, I've got two books from the same set. I've got Descartes' Meditations yeah. on First Philosophy, which I read. That's grand. And I've got David Hume, a treatise on human nature. I only yeah. ever got halfway. It's so very boring. But I used to leave it <laughs> sitting out when guests would arrive. I would just sit on the coffee table, <laughs> David Hume, a treatise concerning human nature or something. I was like, well, look, guys, you know, I've been, uh... <laughs> but just reading my, my David Hume again, you know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, goodness. Oh, yeah, okay. Just, just for the image, kind of. Yeah, yeah. that's it. So I, I think, I think we, did you just add a book that you don't recommend it? I think you just added also a book that you don't recommend Yeah, pr- okay. pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord, mercy. So, guys. Booksboys.com is the website. You can get links to all their other projects. Don't forget, check out all our stuff on Patreon. You can get us on Instagram and all the rest of that good stuff. And if you want to get in touch with us, booksboys at hotmail.com is where you can get in touch if you don't want to use the social media. Um, but that is us done. Hopefully this show hasn't been too long. We'll we'll see um, when, <laughs> when I edit it. Um, but that's, that's everything. And we're going to play PJ's song, Ooh. The Swan. So if the DJ could in that record nice. and we'll be back yo 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 in about a month see ya
Boys was presented by The Dean and PJ Burke in association with Thaddeus Penguin Productions. This episode was brought to you by our sponsor, Italian Shakespeare Crickets. If you would like to get in touch, you can email us at booksboys at hotmail.com or visit us at booksboys.com. The intro uses Driving in the 70s from the Of Soundtracks and Garage Bands EP by Trapdoor. And the outro uses Dog's Light by Bravo Max from the album of the same name. All music used is either PodSafe or used with permission 
If you'd like to support the show, go to patreon.com slash booksboys, get the show early, and all of our bonus booth fan the boys shows. And you can also check out our music on Spotify or Apple Music. Thank you kindly for listening to us. Please tell your friends, and come back next time for another episode of Books Boys. Read some books! <laughs> I just record oh, this yeah. for the for the blooper. I just saying like uh, I mean, someday we'll be like yeah to do this episode with Dean uh, doing surgery on a monkey while I have to do a handstand on a shark. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.